0: John Crowder. Just had an incredible conversation with John Crowder. have wanted to have him on the podcast since I made my first dream guest list. A list that included names like Bono, Russell Brand, and anyone who knew Mr. Rogers. And it was everything I could have hoped for. A conversation with a gracious, kind, and brilliant fellow. John is one of the best I know, maybe one of the best today at finding and embracing Jesus in every stream of the church, the way he said it, finding baby Jesus in the bathwater. He's humble, well-read, and both authentic and stubborn in his search for the goodness of God. John talks about how his journey has taken him into Trinitarian theology. We talk about Trinitarian theology, Christology. We talk about union, oneness, intimacy, contemplation, how to discover our oneness with God, how to awaken to the love of God that is within us. John takes us to the cross. He addresses and exposes some flawed Western atonement theories. John really highlights how separation is where the Western church has started, but we aren't actually separate from God. We're not striving to get into God, we're not desperate for Him. It's quite the opposite. We are awakening to the fact that we are in Christ, that Christ is within us, that union is the starting point, that it is the beginning and the end. John uh, says it way better than that, though. Uh, he's flipped some tables, that's the phrase I used, uh, and he, he talks about that. He talks about how the goal isn't flipping tables. He talks about how he's not confrontational, that's not how he's wired, but that he is growing in an awareness of God's love and, and endeavoring to walk faithfully as a, a friend of God. This is a really awesome uh, conversation, man. I, I really uh, just held on for the ride because John is a, a fire hose of the love of God, his kindness, grace. This conversation, I, I hope it encourages. It sure encouraged me. You can find John at the newmystics.com, johncrowder.net. I highly recommend you go there. They have incredible resources, classes, conferences, and like always, guys, I love doing this podcast. I love connecting with the guests. I also love connecting with those that are listening. It's encouraging to me, and it's encouraging when I find out it's impacting as well. It does help if you like, share, uh, write a review on iTunes. Uh, that stuff helps uh, expand the audience. And if you would like to stay up with me, stay up with what we're doing, you can go to a familystory.org, sign up for our mailing list. We don't send out a lot of emails. A couple of months, we let you know about podcasts. We let you know about articles, books. Anyway, thank you for you guys. So grateful for you. Uh, here is my conversation with John Crowder. Man, I have been looking forward to, to finally meeting you. I mean, I have uh, been following you from a distance, uh, know a lot of
1: mutual friends, and so this is this is a highlight for me, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I've uh, uh, bumped into a couple of your podcasts, and yeah, I noticed uh, you've had a few uh, mutual friends on, and I uh, really appreciate what you guys are doing there. It's great. I just saw a picture of you, Rod Williams, Baxter, and Bill Vanderbush
0: all sitting somewhere. Uh, all three of them have been on, so we got the trifecta. Now we
1: got all of you. But Yeah, we were just together uh, a, a week or so ago, and uh, we, I was back We remember doing Bill's Bill's podcast, but yeah, it, it is, uh, it is cool how, man, people are, are really just grabbing the Trinitarian faith here, you know, from, from all different, uh, backgrounds and, uh, and we're just really connecting on this gospel message and it, it's exciting for sure. Yeah, it is, man. It really
0: is. I think I was introduced to you 10 years ago, um, probably social media and we have mutual friends. Um, you've at Scott Crowder's church many years ago. Scott and I go back 30 years, if you remember Scott. Yeah. And then I met Tim Wright through Scott, and I know you traveled with some with him. Uh-huh. So, man, I've been excited about this. Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, I noticed you had Scott on there. I was like, wow, small, small world here. We, uh, we joked around that we were we were cousins, and then uh, we, we started digging around, and we found the missing link on Ancestry.com. So it turns out we are like ninth <laughs> cousins or something <laughs> like that. That's awesome. I remember him
0: telling me that, too yeah Scott and I uh, went to the same Bible college. He was a couple of years behind me. Nice. But man, I'm excited to have you on John we've we've uh, we'll just kick it off here and I'll use some of this intro and but man, I'm really excited that you're here. Derek couldn't be with us today. He's just uh, had some things come up, but man, he, he let me know he was bummed that he's missing out on this conversation. Would you share a little bit with with, uh, with our folks who you are, why I'm so excited about it, uh, what you're doing right now?
1: Yeah, sure. Um I don't know what what I do. I'm a, I'm a bit of a goat farmer right now, honestly. Jason, I've been uh, <laughs> like real goats? Real goats. Yes. Uh very small Nigerian dwarf goats. So Okay. They're they're too little to eat anything, to clear a field and they're they're too little to eat. So they're they're basically uh pets. So <laughs> <laughs> Uh no, I've I've been um you know, been at ministry for quite a number of years, and uh, yeah, we just we did actually just move out to the country, and it's very contemplative. It's uh, it's just been amazing, and and that's been a big focus of mine for goodness decades is is contemplative spirituality, I, and that always made me a bit of a, a weird charismatic because I, I had a charismatic background, and I saw the connection there between the church mystics and and really post Azusa Street Pentecostalism is as, as crazy as those things may seem in, in sense of divergence, really, um it, it was it was the, the presence orientation that, that connected these streams. And so I used to get in a lot of trouble back in the day because I, I really appreciated seeing Christ in all of these different streams of the church. Yeah. I mean today in modern evangelicalism the word contemplation just pe- people don't even have a, a grid for that they've graduated seminary they don't know what contemplation is and sadly they don't know what christology is <laughs> or they think it's it's some um you know strange uh, demonic voodoo thing it yeah it, yeah, yeah. it is it is bizarre how these different streams of the church have have been so polarized when in reality we've got to be able to see Christ. And, and so that's been for me, something that honestly has brought a little bit of probably misunderstanding and stigma is, is because I would pull from different streams. Okay. I appreciate the the grace message that the reformers brought to the table. Yeah. I do appreciate the Catholic mystics. I, I glean so much from, uh, Orthodox theology, yeah. but, uh, Long way around your your question there. My background was probably you'd say primarily charismatic. I just I just was a strange charismatic because I I didn't get into the transactional, yeah, uh, do this to get the Holy Spirit or do this you know fast pray to to climb into all these levels of realms of glory or whatever the word would be. So I, I've I've always been eclectic in the streams that I've pulled from, but yeah, I'd say primarily what we do is itinerant ministry. Uh, we, we've made a lot of messes along the way because we've opened a lot of (laughs) cans of worms that were difficult to explain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I I don't, I don't know how innovative I am. I, I think we've just pulled from a lot of different streams. I would, I would see Christ in a stream and I I didn't want to throw baby Jesus out with the bathwater. You've got to be able to eat the meat, spit out the bones. And that's really what's, what's brought me this, you know, this contemplative, um, emphasis that I, I think the Lord's had in my life for, for a number of years really pointed me to the Trinitarian gospel. Yeah, And I know many Trinitarian theological types that their theology ended up pointing them to uh, mysticism, to, to a, a, a contemplative lifestyle. And so this is where I really think there's a, a merger happening that we, we've got to get hold of, is a, a real Christological Trinitarian theology. That is contemplative in its experience, contemplative in its um, uh, employment. I guess you would say.
0: Uh, I think we're we're similar in this. I've made a lot of messes. I'm 48. I've made a lot of messes along the way. About seven, eight years ago, I, I finally got language around what I was. I'm not an academic. I'm not a scholar. I'm the dullest knife in the in the uh, drawer most days. Uh, but I understand what love is. And, um, I'm a, and I got the term relational theologian. Maybe, I can't remember. It might have been Graham Cook who said it. And I went, oh, that's, that's who I am. And the way you said it is finding Christ wherever he is in whatever movement. I grew up Pentecostal charismatic as well. So we're from similar streams. I think probably the most profound thing, though, uh, and what I can finally put language around, is that no matter where I went... Um, we moved a lot. My dad was a pastor growing up. And, and, and so sometimes we were part of the Baptist church. I've been on staff at a Methodist church. My my uncle's Presbyterian. So I did get to see the church deep and wide. No matter where I went, um, the starting place, and Baxter put language to this, the starting place was separation. mm mm-hmm. And the church, deep and wide, was always starting from that place of separation. And so, some of the messes I made uh, over my life have been pushing against that, not even really fully understanding it. Not understanding Trinitarian theology, understanding that word, Trinity, understanding being raised on it. But could you could you walk us through
1: Trinitarian theology? What it is you what you're saying when you use that language? I think uh, you hit the nail on the head. There is is really that's the biggest problem here in the the Western Church is this separation thinking and it's separation between you and jesus and it's it's separation between jesus and his father and it's where we get these horrendous um uh, atonement theories that are are really just so demonic in nature this idea that the father's turning on the son and jesus is the whipping boy for the father's wrath and and so um and this is preached as the gospel here in the, a, an atonement theory, a twisted one at that, being preached as the gospel in the Western church. And, uh, and it's like there, there's almost no grid for what the cross means outside of that. And people are like, well, if, yeah. if the cross is not Jesus paying off the Father's wrath, what is the point of the cross? Well, look, we don't have time to sit here. You know, as, as the old hymn says, you could drain the oceans dry writing about everything that was accomplished on the cross. Yeah. What we're saying is what did not happen on the cross, which is a complete fabrication and, and demonic fairy tale, the Trinity was not imploding on itself. Yeah, no, Jesus was, was healing the human race. He was curing our human condition. He was stepping down to the depths of our decay and our depravity and our corruption and, and just sucking it down the, <laughs> the black hole of his own servant body. And, and, and he spits us out the other side of the grave, a brand new creation. He was He was fixing the human race because God is love. He wasn't paying off some dark side of God. It was hiding behind it, you know, some father who was higher and holier than them. And, and that's the real problem is we don't believe in the divinity of Jesus. Yeah. We think he's lower down the ladder than the father. He's paying off this higher, holier deity, th- this father who's too pure to look at sinners. Yeah. When, of, of course, it's okay for Jesus to yeah. look at sinners yeah. and hang out yeah. with hookers and, and become sin. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're essentially saying Jesus is not as holy as the father, which is yeah. to say he's not God. Which yeah. is to say, you're not a Christian. I mean, see how backward we've had it. And I, I know you're on the same page here with this. Yeah. So, um, so that's it. This this division between Jesus and the Father, which, which is a fabrication. It's an illusion. And and and, and what that breeds is is this uh, consequent and or you know what comes first, the chicken or the egg. This idea that we are separate from Jesus. And it's it's wild that union is considered heresy today. That the, the separation. Yeah. It, I mean, how how twisted uh, it is and so it is um i forgot your question <laughs> but, well but but this is this, this is the the message of the trinity you know this is the trinitarian faith we're we're not yes that's it you got a lot of people who they give lip service to the trinity but they really believe in demon son and holy bible that's uh, that's <laughs> and in reality yeah th- there is this Paracoretic union this dance of the trinity that when we we see that god has never been alone yeah there's there's always been plurality in the godhead in the one god and and yeah. and he's always desired family and yes yeah. yes and it, we we have this concept that if, if he would you know he was alone aloof this monad god sitting in heaven you know that white faced, solitary god well, that God doesn't care if, if you're with him, if you're on board, he's always been alone. He can always be alone. But when you see who who God is is truly, his father, son, and spirit, always in relation, always in other giving yeah. love, well, well, it only makes sense that, that of course he would create, of course he, he, would, he would draw us in a fellowship and union. And that's what the whole story has been about. Yes. So. Yes, I love it. I
0: <laughs> The thing that I've been running at is this idea you know you can't have intimacy where there is no trust yeah you know i got saved when i was five and 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 that was in a loving home where i experienced jesus invited said the prayer all of those things i i remember and it was beautiful and then i grew up uh under this dualistic paradigm and this dualistic paradigm under this retributive abandoning god Uh, and i remember um i say it was the second time i got saved and it was probably about uh, 12 years ago, God speaks to me and says, Jason, he says, you know, Jesus never lived for the measureless. And he was referencing Ephesians three sixteen. Uh, you know, this love that's high and wide and long and, and, and deep is love that we can know beyond knowing. And he said, Jesus never lived for this thing. He lived from it. And I couldn't put language to it, but it was an explosion in my heart that changed everything for me. I prayed this prayer and I've said it a bunch of different ways since, but I said, from this day forward, I will no longer interact with you based on my insecurity, based on my desperation. I'll interact with you based on your love. Uh, suddenly, everything began to make sense. I realized Jesus got a well pleased before he did this stuff. You know, I'd been living my whole life trying to get a well pleased, hmm. and Jesus gets it before he does all the stuff that he's famous for it really flipped everything on its head. But when I look back now, I go, that was the Trinitarian, that was union. That was what he was speaking to me of. And I've been unpacking for the last 12 years since.
1: Yeah.
0: For the first 30 years of my life, desperation was a sign of spirituality. (laughs) You know, the more desperate I was for God, the more, uh, the more he could come. It was always about trying to get him to me. It was always about trying to, to reach that place, that, measureless love and it was like everything got flipped on its head and suddenly i'm 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 in i'm in christ he's already here jesus lived from his father's pleasure he lived from union he lived from the measureless and and suddenly i got myself in crazy trouble because you start reading scripture and you start seeing it everywhere you start realizing how how much we are not living in that way. and uh...
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a dangerous revelation to get because religion builds an industry on the concept of separation. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you, you have a few silversmiths that want to run you out of town. Yeah, love doesn't sell. And, and, <laughs> yeah, well, 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 grace, grace clearly doesn't sell. You can't even give it away, right?
0: No, <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> That's Robert Capeman. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, that's the thing. Look, I mean, uh, so much of our language is so transactional, especially um, now it's, it's obviously all over the evangelical world, but in the charismatic church, our shared background, specifically, you, you have, you have this transactional language, you know, we need to get hungry for the Lord. I'm yeah. you know, talk about desperation. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, was Jesus not a good enough meal? I mean, what, what more could he, he's given us everything, right? <laughs> Um says, well, you know, blessed are the hungry. Yeah, yeah. Read on; it, they will be satisfied. You know, satisfaction is the that contentment, that that sweet contentment. You know, in the charismatic world, the the term contentment is is like uh, you know, anathema. It's like uh, I think you're you're talking about apathy or lukewarm yeah. content. Yeah. But you know, the classical writers, like you read Spurgeon and these guys, and they would they would or Jonathan Edwards, they would use the term. Uh, contentment almost as like a, or, or complacency rather, is like a, they would use that word as a, almost a fruit of the spirit, this sweet divine complacency, wow. resting in Christ. Wow. Yeah. And it's that rest that it brings, you know, rest from the insecurities, rest from the, the striving, the trying to scrape out some existence, the a fabricated uh, spirituality that could could only be a false self because it's it's not reality we need to know that we, we've we been accepted at our worst yeah and declared perfect declared absolutely righteous wow. and that, that's so beautiful but yeah th- this transactional stuff i mean you look at the language um you know we need to seek the lord well he no he found me yeah you know we, uh this this idea of, you know Or the the great renewal slogan, more Lord, we need more, more Lord. Right. I I mean, there is a more Lord, but it's not more of something that I don't have. It's more of a discovery of the fullness of the one who already exists within me, thanks to Jesus. When when all this transactional stuff gets off the table, um, you know, people talk about getting closer to the Lord. How how do you get closer to your Siamese twin, right? We're we're in union. (laughs) All of these little yeah you know i'm not i'm not um i'm not a god chaser anymore he he runs way too fast yeah. he chased me down roped and hogtied me bagged and dragged right uh pressing in we need to press <laughs> in you no he pressed into me we yeah. need to contend no he yeah. contended for me all of this it's this when you get this revelation of union it's like Pulling the cord of the sweater, and, and you realize the, the whole thing starts to unwind. The whole ship's been upside down. And, and we have to start from square one again. Yeah. Bring it back to Jesus. Not, not what we do with Jesus. And, and, and I don't want um, yeah. to rant too long here. Uh, I, I'd love to move on to the next, uh, the next topic. But let, let me say this, Jason. What we have a lot of in the church is Christocentrism. Which, uh, uh, to a degree, that's great, but it, you know, but Christocentrism is putting Jesus first, keeping Jesus first, following Jesus. Ultimately, it's about what I'm doing with Jesus. Yeah. It's very humanistic. Really, what we need is is Christology, yeah, the understanding of who Jesus is in his incarnation as the Theandric God-Man, that He, in His very being has united humanity to divinity. He is the meeting place of God. There, there's only rest in this revelation. There is only appreciation. And our language can start to change. Instead of get hungry for the Lord, no, we're, we're enjoying Him. We're That's feasting it. on Him. Yeah. We're celebrating Him. Yeah. And so uh, the the language shift um, needs to happen. And language is a fluid thing. It, it changes from Generation to generation, it really does, and that's why we we constantly need to, you know, relook at the scripture. And but um, yeah, this this the separation thing, it's the root of the fall, my friend. That's it's the very lie of Adam. That's it. Yeah. Uh, you know, hypocrisy is easy
0: to see. When I was younger, I I liked to point it out, and um, I could do so uh, quite aggressively. <laughs> Uh, But in the last, uh, you know, when when I got saved for the second time, if you will, or when I discovered union, I begin to discover this greater love, this other-centered self-giving love that that Jesus displayed. It's an offensive love. It's definitely an offensive love. And there are times when tables are flipped. But I've, you know, I've said for years now, if you're not willing to lay your life down for the person on the other side of the table, Uh, You've got no authority. There's nothing. There's no life in what you're doing. Uh, It's just reactionary. It's just the same spirit of dualism, and uh, you're just just making messes. Um, I'd be curious. um, I know enough about you. I know you flip tables, and I know the goal isn't flipping tables. I know the goal isn't spanking the church. The goal isn't uh, ego-driven. We're right. You're wrong. But it's also an offensive gospel that you're preaching. It's offensively good. So I would love for you to, to speak to that because I know that you're probably a master at, at this point of of offending people by flipping tables while at the same time learning how to lay your life down for them I think I think the world needs that type of leader right now that's what I, why I'm passionate about it. I think it needs a church that isn't known for what they're against but is known by by how much they love
1: yeah I you know that's uh, the funny thing is I, i'm I'm actually not polemical by nature. I I'm, I'm not um I'm not argumentative. I don't like to uh I I I don't enjoy conflict. Um yeah, me neither. And and people wouldn't know that about me by watching uh YouTube clips. <laughs> <laughs> uh but there there's something that over the years um I I don't know. It's it and I I'm a huge fan of Luther. Luther was very honorary. Um Luther said, uh, there's this great quote by Luther where he's like, I I love to be angry. I write so clear when I'm angry. I, I see, he sees the gospel so clearly. And, um, but it's, it's where that's directed, you know, and I would love to just sit here with my Nigerian dwarf goats in contemplative silence. And I, look, I, I believe that the world needs way more mr rogers right now yeah than they then they probably do even luther to to a degree you know because everybody's everybody's uh viewing themselves as a deconstruction reformer and we need deconstruction of course but um you know that pendulum swing now people are talking about reconstruction look don't we have enough man-made fabricated religion to what we don't need to reconstruct anything right we need to, we need to bring it back to Jesus right yeah. like I, I, like i i've uh, I, I've been at this deconstruction thing with religion for years, but we also need to deconstruct secularism. There, there's a lot of idolatrous things that need to come down. but at the end of the day, I'm not you know, moving from fundamentalist to a progressive. I don't I don't believe in progressive Christianity. Yeah. I, I believe in regressive Christianity. We we need to push it back to Jesus, back to the creed, back to again Christology. That's that. that's what we need. We need to get off of just following trends and um yeah you know bandwagon uh theologies. And so like you said, the only theology is 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 Jesus Christ. He is perfect theology. I um I I just I, I definitely think we have to we have to speak up. Sometimes we have to be really clear. Uh Luther did say it's not just what we we're preaching, but what we're not saying. You have to clarify what you're not saying. And that's where a lot of times the, the, the you know, some of the polemical stuff is necessary. Right. Um there's a great quote. Um and Baxter uses this quote a lot. It's from uh, St. Hilary, uh, not Hilary of Epstein Island, but Hilary of Poitiers. And Hilary says, But the errors of the heretics force us to scale perilous heights, to speak unutterable words, to trespass on forbidden ground. Faith ought in silence to fulfill the commandments, worshiping the Father, reverencing Him with His Son abounding in the Holy Ghost, but we must strain the poor resources of our language to express thoughts too great for words. The error of others compels us to err in daring to embody in human terms truth which ought to be hidden in the silent veneration of the heart. Wow. So as much as I would just like to sit and just drink in the presence and and you know ELE everybody love everybody. Um, you you, you do see people, um, being molested by these these ideas of separation, not not understanding their worth, being caught in this control, yeah. or um again just just being swept along by some some other ideological scheme whether it be progressive leftist w- w- whatever you know it's the, all the isms sure uh so yeah there there is a place to stand up there is a place to be clear uh but if, if we're not authentically embodying love and if we don't know who we are as ministers then we're just little boys slapping titles on ourselves and yeah. and, and and it's uh. It's the same. It's the same system. It, it, yeah. There's a time to stand up. There's a time to, to fight, and, and we 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 have to do that. But it the motives of the heart are well. There, it's uh, at the end of the day. When John of the cross says, "We're going to be judged on love alone." Yeah, you know, not how many yeah. um, apple carts we overturned. Yeah, I love that. That was like a long quote. Was that from memory? Uh, no, I happen to have it pull up on my screen right now.
0: I mean, I know I can't, <laughs> I can't play ball with you, man. But wow! No, 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 no. no. I,
1: I'm, uh, I, I'm not that much of a savant. Trust me, uh, Jason. As you were, as you, <laughs> as you were sharing it, the the, the the quote came to my mind, so I, I pulled it up. <laughs> oh, that's that's an amazing quote. And your love is revival. You're
0: the crowd. Hey guys. I'm interrupting this podcast for just a minute so I can invite you to partner with us by giving to A Family Story. A Family Story is a 501, a nonprofit, and it's our ministry, and it's what allows for me to produce this podcast and other regular content. We've been living this faith journey for a long time, but 2014 was when we officially stepped away from the traditional pastoring approach to full-time ministry. It's been fun. This journey's been wild, and this last year was no less faith-inducing with COVID affecting travel and speaking. And it's been good, because hey, we started a podcast. Our passion is to create content catalytic for an encounter with the always good, transforming, reconciling love of our Heavenly Father. And so our heart through this ministry has always been that through speaking, writing, film, and music, we're relentlessly sharing the goodness of our Father, the good news. Your giving given goes directly to support this podcast as well as written content, discipleship content, teaching small group messages, articles that we release weekly, and also the book I'm writing. I'm excited about what I'm chasing down right now. We appreciate all the support, whether it's sharing, writing a review, following us, signing up for our email list, or financially. We just love being on the journey with you. If you want to give to A Family Story, you can go to afamilystory.org, afamilystory.org. And click on the give button. All right, thanks guys. Let's get back to the podcast. If I have anything I'm thankful for for my charismatic Pentecostal roots is is that there was a value around an experience, an experience with God that went beyond uh you know our our understanding and One of the things that I I really was appreciative of with you is, uh, you know, I, I've said this about a few people on the podcast, but I, I've actually said this about you when, when talking with someone else after hearing, have you watched John Crowder? I'm like, yeah, that guy's the smartest guy in the room and my gosh, he's brilliant. Oh my goodness. And I don't say that to to puff you up, but uh, I just say that to go. No, that's, that's what my wife, my wife, my wife says that all the time. (laughs) That's what I. That's what I, I was quoting her is what I was trying. I wanted to make sure I got it right. So, but what I appreciate about you is that um, from the beginning, you were about an encounter. You were about a burning. Um, I mean, the early days that I was first introduced to you, uh, your meetings were always um, heart first and uh, not taking the head out. I don't even know if you want to say heart head first. It's a whole body, whole mind experience, a whole soul experience. But um, from a place of union, could you speak to that? Because You know, I I think a lot of what you're talking about, these progress, all these ideas that are out there, a lot of them are not connected to this, this deep understanding of being loved. You know, we love because he first loved. I'm convinced that's the Rosetta Sons verse in all of scripture that my job is to be loved. Yes. And once I am, you know, I can give away what I, what I've received. And so a lot of folks don't have that foundation. They don't, could you speak to that? Because I know that that's, that's what you push at wherever
1: you go. It's how do we how do we have people have an encounter with the affection of a loving God? Yeah, um, I was thinking of a another quote this morning. I didn't, I didn't pull this one up. It's a little shorter, <laughs> but it was by Theophan the Recluse. I'm sure that uh, most listeners read their Theophan the Recluse very, very consistently, right? You, you got to think if your name is the Recluse, you know, maybe you've got some. Uh, Social anxieties, I don't know. No, but uh he, he was actually a really a deep guy. And it, that, that guy had ghosts for sure. Yeah, there you go. Like like Evagrius the solitary, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So Theophan said, um, I believe it was Theophan, he said, uh, God should be with you like a toothache. Hmm. Now that's not the best analogy right. for us today, right? That doesn't sound very fun, a toothache. But you you get what he's what he's going for here. Yeah. That almost somatic bodily even, that that pulsing, that that throb, there's this um awareness of his presence. Uh take the pain out of the the equation. We're not we're not yeah. you know making that analogy with a toothache obviously. But there's something about um as we take time with him, you know, and and it's, you know, goodness knows this, this revelation of union, we realize he's everywhere all the time. He doesn't just want my prayer time. He wants my time. The the whole world is a a bush burning with the glory of God. The father's said, and, and um, we should recognize him in the face of the, the cab driver and the bar hop and the people that others may think are, hell fodder or whatever. I mean, he's everywhere, but, but if we're not taking that intentional time, um, to, to just sit, to, to develop a, I mean, Lord knows we need to develop a contemplative practice these days with all of the barrage of external and internal noise and social media and, and, uh, news and, Um, And and just the conflict and the monetized uh, hatred that's that's going on in society today, we we need to learn to be still we need we need solitude going back to the contemplation thing. And I think if if we can learn to just sit, and that's a scary thing to do, because and, and it takes a little discipline, because, you know, to sit and be barraged by thoughts and the psychological material, and Memories and these pre-recorded uh you know conversations that we have in our head that we we play to sort of deal and cope with life's situations and and to sort of get through that and 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 learn to let go, learn to let go of our our images. That's one big concept in, in contemplation is is learning to let go of our idolatrous images of God. you know the contemplatives were deconstructionists long before before you know it caught on in the past 10 years we made the phrase popular. yeah exactly i mean you've got a whole stream in the church mystics of apophatic negative theology which is uh, saying what god is not you know he's not limited he's not uh this he's not that i mean it's uh he's he's not just another object in the universe that that we can describe or whatever he's 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 beyond existence he's the source of all existence we there's there are there is no ultimate language for that. So <clears throat> silence is, uh, I think it was Thomas Keating, he said silence is, is God's first language. And if we can learn to just sit with him, to be with him, not just think about him. Contemplation is not thinking, and it's also not trying to force thoughts out. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just letting them go like a sushi belt. I mean, even in secular society today, there's such a focus on mindfulness. And, and man, people, ther- you know, the therapist has taken over the, the role of the priest in society today because we, we don't have a grid. For contemplation we don't have a grid for mindfulness and people are going nuts and and have been nuts for a while but if we can take the time to just let go we're not thinking about him we're being with him this is intimacy it's what maybe the charismatics would call soaking yeah um uh, uh, it's you know there's been a lot of language for it throughout church history but uh some would think meditation meditation is a a, a form of contemplation but even then we're not just meditating even on a scripture like Lectio Divina or just meditating on a, a worship song, but, but real silence, real just being and, and just going beyond many of the church fathers talked about the, the way we know him. It's a knowing that's beyond knowledge. It's yeah. a knowing beyond intellect. It's, yeah. it's a manner of knowing that is a real intimate knowing. And and I, I think that the more we have that time to to just acclimate and, and be with him, um, that that pulse that we're talking about that Theophan mentions that that um, awareness we we begin to to taste the cinnamons and aloes we smell the robe we we recognize him we've been with him and then our eyes are tuned to see him everywhere else in life yeah. otherwise we're just in, in this confused uh, chaotic world Ma- Maximus the Confessor is one of my 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 favorite theologians in, in the uh, from the Orthodox stream. And he says, uh, just like scripture are logoe, they are words of God, not the logos, Jesus is the logos, the word. But we too are logoe. We are words yeah. spoken. But outside of the proper context of pointing to Christ, of seeing Christ, then we're like uh, we're like jumbled uh you, you know, non-contextual words. And so I think as we as we actually spend time with him as we see him we are like him we're as we're beholding and that's all contemplation is it's very simple it means to gaze it's to to just be with him yeah um there is there is a tuning in you you recognize him in places you never would before so this is very experiential but as you know a lot of contemplatives, a lot of mystics throughout church history, they didn't understand union. They're trying to climb into union. But how much more we who get this message that, that we're already in, we're, we're not we are not trying to attain something. We're enjoying the one that we have. I, I think that's imperative. The thing that I think, you know, from, from where I've been navigating the
0: last 15 years, you know, I, I'm thankful in those early days for uh, Bill Johnson and Bethel who were running at goodness, the goodness of God. Because uh, what you're talking about, and I, I, I said it earlier, you can't have intimacy where there isn't trust, and you can't trust if He isn't always good. So we have a phrase in our house: "I don't know, but He's good." Um, and, and I'd rather live in the in the question regarding this or that, or regarding how I approach Scripture, or regarding how I whatever it is I don't understand yet, than than mess around with His goodness. When I first discovered that Jesus got a well-pleased before he did any stuff, I was still thinking about it in the context of my upbringing, and I was pretty upset that I wasn't seeing the signs and wonders that I'd been... I was striving. I was desperate. I was insecure. Mm -hmm. How come I'm not seeing the things that so-and-so is seeing? I got this calling. I got this promise. I'm trying to get into something, trying to see, for me, a sincere desire to see people healed and delivered and, and saved and all of those things but doing it from a place of distance and separation. And when I got this revelation and it came from my father, he, was, he said, you know, Jesus got a well done. He got a well pleased. Like like he did everything from my pleasure and he didn't stop living in my pleasure. For me, that's the starting point. And what you're talking about, when I get alone with God, I, I rest in his pleasure. That's where I start with him. He's not upset. He's not angry. He's not turning his back. He never has. He never will. He's always good. My circumstances don't define them, and 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 I think what you're talking about is is this idea of union, where the starting place is not distance, it's not separation. In fact, I, I'll ask you this as a theologian: If Jesus is perfect theology, then then union is perfect theology. Yeah. If Jesus is fully God and fully man, and he was in the Father and he was in the Spirit, then we actually get to be a demonstration of perfect theology. Is that a fair statement?
1: Uh, I, I don't say that, uh, calling me a theologian is a fair statement. I don't, uh, I don't, I, I don't have a, I don't have a doctorate. I need, I need a doctor. <laughs> J- Jesus is, he is our union with God. That that's the thing. He, he is our conversion. Yeah. That, that, this is, you know, Torrance was huge on this, you know, he, um, yes you know, going back to the, the Christology conversation of who Jesus is as, as the God, man, um, we have this idea that we were, quote, and this means a lot of things to a lot of different people, but saved uh, at the cross. Well, that's the culmination of his saving act. Yeah, but you can't separate the person from the act, right? And this was actually not just Torrance. This is Athanasius. This is early church. Uh, so so it's it's locating yeah. salvation, not just at the cross as something he did, but in the incarnation, in his very person, in his very being. It's not just that God was bound up in Christ, but that he bound the entire created order to himself. So th- that means there's there's not a blade of grass. There's not a distant <laughs> star in the cosmos. that's not humming with the glory of God. He, he is yeah. the union of, of of creation to its creator. Yes. And um, this is where uh, new age or, you know, we may well call it the Christ consciousness type guys that, that, that they're on to a truth here. It's just that so often it gets, um, it gets off of the actual concrete person of Christ. You know, this is a relationship with a person, not just a divine force. And, um, and, and our union with him, this union is concretely realized in the person of the Son. Uh, Karl Barth, he said, um uh, well, and, and let me say this, you know, there's a lot of truth in a lot of, a lot of religions. There's a lot of truth in Buddhism, which wouldn't even call itself a religion, right? But Karl Barth, he says, God does not reveal himself to any religion, yeah. not even the Christian religion. Yeah, He's revealed himself by his son. And, and that's it. When we look at Jesus, we see, we we see it all. Um, yeah. But it has to be, it has to be the real Jesus. And we we do have our our baggage, our trauma, our stuff that we we come yeah, to the table yeah, with. Yeah. And so that's where, you know, co- a contemplative practice is helpful because uh, uh I mentioned <laughs> my wife, uh, my wife makes fun of me for whipping out all of these random names, Evagrius the Solitary. <laughs> but he, uh, Evagrius, he said uh, he was he's one of the early fathers of of the apophatic uh you know just uh, our awareness that we we don't know the mystery embracing the sacred mystery and for a lot of people that's scary mystery especially in the evangelical world we think of our bible as this rolodex of how to live a christian life and all the answers are there we have a remote control god you, you pray this way you pull these levers and everything's gonna gonna be great yeah uh but but embracing mystery um Vagris talks about when we we come into prayer that. that w- there's, there's this formlessness, formlessness that we need, this, this moldability, this um, – um, John O'Donohue, I think it was, he said, he said this, our spiritual life consists in the liberation of God from our images of him, letting go of even our, our concepts. Now, we know he's, he, he's spoken who he is in Jesus, right? So this is where the Christology and the contemplation come together that the more we see that God looks like Jesus, the less we actually know. We realize that all of our own God contraptions go out the door. Yeah. All of our own little God apparatuses that we've built, they just fall by the wayside. Yeah. And that's what the early fathers at the Nicene Council, to give us the creed, I mean, they were very mystical. They were very apophatic. They, they were like, hey, we we can't, we we can't figure out God. So let's write off some of this these wrong ways of man made thinking about God. Right. All we can say is that this man Jesus, this this is the only package <laughs> that God comes yeah. in. Yeah. And thanks to wow. him, he's included us all. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> love it, man. I um oh
0: I love it. I uh <laughs> What's the, uh, we used to do tacos, by the way, I'm going to ask you, uh, uh, tacos, you got to be a taco guy, right?
1: Uh, I I am. I am a taco guy. Yes. Yes, Jason. I could eat, I could eat a taco every day of my life. (laughs) That's what what we want to hear. Rethinking God with tacos. I
0: mean, I could ask you a whole pile of stuff. I don't have you a whole lot longer here, but what is the thing right now that you see in the, in the church today, where we're at, that you believe God's saying? In some respects, you could look at it and go, man, we've got some messes. And, and, and yet I'm, I'm really encouraged um, with a groundswell around around the goodness of God. You know, a lot of folks who listen to this would, would say they're deconstructing and they might use that language. I wasn't real fond of that word in the early days, but um, I, I don't think Christians like to be called Christians either. You know, you, you just go ahead and embrace it and, uh, and see if we can't help pastor it. Can't help um, folks if they're going to deconstruct, find who, the cornerstone, as you as you said, that we can help. We can take them to Jesus. That, all this to say, I'm encouraged. That I feel like we're seeing more and more folks uh, dissatisfied with anything less than the goodness of God uh, revealed in Christ. And I'm feeling more and more like there's voices, uh, trustworthy voices, who who understand greater love, who aren't here to, to put tables out of ego but actually uh want to see people uh, awaken to their union what do you what do you see god doing where would you point them what's burning in you basically if
1: if uh if i had you for another 15 minutes yeah i i think uh it's important to know that these aren't these aren't new new questions uh cs lewis talks about uh it's a very mark of God's presence to to shatter our idols, the iconoclasm. And that's what, what deconstruction is all about. But but this isn't a new thing. I mean you, you go back, I mentioned Evagrius, you've got uh Isaac of Nineveh, you've got Maximus, you've got all this this long uh rich history, the Nicene Fathers, this rich history of of the apophatic, the negative theology of of, of like um even Thomas Aquinas, for crying out loud, who you would think would be the opposite, who, who was the opposite in many ways, uh, th- they would say, look, it's um, Dionysius, the Areopagite. he would say, it's not so much that we can say what God is, but what he's what he's not. And, and there is this this mystery that he is so beyond. And for the one who wants a, a remote controlled theological package, uh, mystery's very scary. But for. For the, the the mystical heart, the the we're all designed by nature to crave mystery because it's it, you don't see it as a frustration. Christ is the mystery revealed. It's mm. an eternal discovery. It's an eternal yes. awakening to to what yeah. we have. And so I think it we can it's okay for us to to take take the hands off the wheel, and to not try to immediately construct a new. Theological system here, if, if we could actually keep it on the person of, of Jesus, this is what I see the future bringing forth is um, a real merging because they were never separate of Christology and, and contemplation. And this is, this is where my heart's at. It's the contemplative experience, not the fabricated, man-made, uh, whip-yourself-into-a-frenzy, charismatic thing that gets exhausting that we've been in, but this rest in an abiding presence, the practice of the presence, which is not getting the presence of God. It's an awareness of his presence. It's experiential, Yeah. and the Christological is the theological. We need the theological, but there's only one way you can do theology, and I know that's arrogant to say but but it's actually it, it that this comes from a from years of i don't know It's like all i yeah. know is that guy over there in the yeah. sandals you know yes. the the, yeah. the the thief on the cross he's like i, I don't know anything about justification <laughs> by faith is that guy right so yeah it's yeah. it's him it's yeah. all him and so um if we could bring it back to jesus keep it on jesus and uh and, 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 and enjoy and relax and rest and, and and recognize we don't have this thing figured out. And that's okay. <laughs> that's not our job. Yeah, that's
0: good, bro. I, I, I love that you said people crave mystery because I think I think that if somebody hears that, I'm like, no, uh, but it's the truth. It's the truth. I can't remember who I heard say it years ago, but he talked about an Easter egg hunt where you, you hide the, the egg. Yes. And when they're two, you hide it where they can find it. Um, and you, and you delight with them when they discover it. Yes. And the older they get, the, the further you hide the egg uh, because there's something profoundly human, profoundly um godlike in discovering things. Mm. Uh, I think you're, I think you're onto something. I, you know, my wife, we used to have a, a saying in our house, scary is fun. And uh, she changed it. She added sometimes
1: yeah Uh, on the front end of that uh
0: (laughs) but but mystery is scary
1: yeah yeah and it it can be and yes well and he hides things i think you know we've we've all heard the the saying he he hides things uh for us not from us yes um and that's that's the beauty of a revealed mystery the frustration is gone we have it all we've complete access yeah, but it's like a, a Disneyland park that we're gonna we're gonna explore forever. It goes on and on and on. Yeah, uh, except Disneyland is sounds like hell to me, but you, you know what I mean. Okay, yeah. no, it is <laughs> not talking about Orlando. No, it is. Yeah. And I don't know how but, many Disney but, people just tuned out, but I I don't care. It's awful. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes, yeah, this long sweaty line for the teacups or whatever. Uh, I I think. um, the, the problem is, and this is this is the problem with any kind of contemplative experience as well, is is that when we we come to this mystery, we we're bringing these preconceptions of a monster God. We're we're yeah. bringing these preconceptions yeah. of separation, and that's where you can't have just raw contemplation with without a revelation that God is love, and and, yeah. and you're already accepted, yeah. and uh, otherwise you're climbing these unseen ladders of 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 trying to you know, do some more spiritual jumping jacks and yeah. no what I'm talking about is when we we catch this just beatific vision that, that 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 Christ Christ is God, that God is yeah he is other giving love.
0: Yeah.
1: He is completely self-giving. Yeah. Well, th- the only response to that is awestruck wonder. Yeah. It, we, like Job, we, sh- we shut our mouths. This is, yeah. this, is, this is beyond, and you can't generate awe. You can't fabricate wonder. Yeah. And that's the authenticity people are looking forward to these days.
0: That's it. I, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's
1: exactly it. People
0: want to, we're looking, to, right now we're looking for places to put our trust. We were made, uh, you know, show me a child who grew up in their formative years, couldn't place their trust anywhere. And I'll show you a, a, a traumatized adult who spends a whole lot of money trying to find where they can place their trust. And I, and I think we live in a world where, um, sadly there's a lot of broken trust within the church, but man, our media, wherever it's coming from, it's, there's nowhere we can place our trust, but you can place your trust in Jesus, uh, self-giving, other centered, uh, greater love, right? Greater love is this, there's no greater love that one would lay his life down for his friend and then Jesus went and did it. I mean, that is, that is the trust that, that, um, I think humanity is craving and, and the place where then you can discover intimacy and union and oneness. I, I agree, man. That's, that's the mystery. Yeah. That's the good news. Yeah. Hey, um, uh, I've had you for an hour, so, uh, I, I gotta let you go, but I got a few more uh, fun questions I, I, I you've already quoted um, a whole bunch of people typically i'd ask who are you reading right now uh for fun and also um maybe
1: the spiritual fathers uh the folks who've influenced you yeah uh oh my goodness Well, i, I always um I, i've i've got a, a book collecting problem I'm, I'm a bit of a a bit of a book hoarder uh so i've <laughs> he says as he sits in his office, surrounded by books. For those who uh, can't see this, yeah. Oh my, like, yeah. That that's the tip of the iceberg there. Unfortunately, I I, uh, <laughs> I had to buy a different house just to fit my books. But uh, no, I, I I I've um I swing back and forth between good Trinitarian theologians and contemplatives. Thomas, Thomas Merton. I've always got my finger in Merton somewhere. Um, you know, I'm really been enjoying some Martin Laird recently in terms of uh contemplative writers. Um in the fathers I'm, I'm, I'm always, uh, drinking in some Maximus or Athanasius and, and, uh, you, you know, my, I would, I would say TF Torrance. So if anybody's looking to, to really dive under the deep end and in, in Christology and the incarnation TF Torrance yeah. for sure. And there are plenty of guys out there these days that could, could give you some, some more like Torrance, uh, in, um, Street lingo, let's put it that way. <laughs> you know, Baxter, Baxter's a great guy for taking uh, Torrance's concepts and really putting them in yeah. a, a good folksy story. Uh, yeah. that, there's a real art to that. You know, a lot yeah. of these theologians they just talk over people's heads, and uh, and uh, it, 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 there's a real art in, in taking some deep concepts and putting them in language that people understand. Yeah. And story, parable—that's how that's how our good Lord did it, right? So yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I nerd out on some things that, that that average folks may not enjoy that much, but my goal is always to try to how can I almost sacramentally present this to, yeah. to people in, in a way that's beyond language. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I'm grateful that you do, man. I um I've been I've been following you like a fanboy from a distance and uh thankful to finally have a chance to sit with you and uh scratch the surface of the goodness of God with you. Um Absolutely. I, I have a whole pile of notes here. I, I never got to, maybe we can do this another time, but, but, um, I, I don't want to keep you much longer. Share, can you tell us where we can find you and we'll have that on the front end too, but if you just let folks know where they can find you.
1: Yeah, for sure. We're, we're sort of in between websites. We've got, uh, uh, the new mystics, the T H E new com, uh, john We've got a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff online. Uh, actually have e e-courses on some of the stuff we talked about today, Christology and contemplation and just different things. Uh, We do a seminary, an online seminary. You had Rod Williams on. Rod is our senior coordinator, uh, heavy emphasis on the word senior. And (laughs) uh, Baxter and Francois are part of that as well. And uh, uh, several of the guys that you've had on, I think. And yeah, so there's a, find us on all the social media and and that sort of thing. A lot of books out there, um, and cool. yeah, if you're ever up here in the Pacific Northwest as a taco man, I can also lead you to the yes. um, the best tacos. That you would ever find in the great state of Oregon tell me tell me where I'm gonna find the best tacos in the great state of Oregon I have to know okay well I, I'm a bit of a purist when it comes to the taco and so come on uh, it wasn't until I discovered actual Mexican street tacos in Mexico uh-huh. that I realized I'd never had a real taco <laughs> in my life and so uh, when we lived in California you know there's a It's a pretty, pretty good Mexican population there. You get real street tacos. We moved a little further north into the uh, Great White Northwest up here, and uh, I'd I'd lost, I'd lost my footing with, uh, with the, the, the the authentic taco. But out uh, now that we're out in the country, uh, there are actually uh, quite a population of uh, migrant, like agricultural workers from. From Mexico and in and, uh, and, and Hillsborough, Oregon, man, you drive down the street and the signs of all the restaurants which just everything uh, from your tax guy to your nail salon. It's all, the signs are in Spanish, really? which is amazing. That's awesome. And so you find these little, these little Mexican um, uh, like grocery stores and they'll yeah, have a little yeah. taco thing in the back and it's all, it's all local guys in there. And um, yeah, you, you Corn need. Corn tortilla shell. Corn tortilla, small, yeah, little chorizo, little uh, al pastor, and uh, and it's like a it's like a pizza in Italy, you know. Too many toppings, you've you've ruined it. You just need a little cilantro, I hear you, little onion. Uh, maybe some, maybe long in. Yep, little, a little, little salsa, and you're, and you're good to go.
0: Man, you, you, you know exactly what you're talking. Too much,
1: too many toppings, and. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, on a, I love that a, a pizza analogy because you're right. You're right. All you need on a pizza is uh, some, maybe some pepperoni. You know, that's all you need really if it's a good pizza. But uh, yeah, man, uh, I, you just described the perfect taco. I am all in on that taco. I didn't realize. So, how close are you to Rod? Then you guys are pretty close.
1: Well, we lived in the same town. We actually uh, started a church in, uh, years ago in Santa Cruz, California. He's still in Santa Cruz, uh, so we're not—we're not geographically that close, but we, oh, yes. we still see each other quite.
0: Well, I really have gotten to know him over the last little bit. And really thankful for him and, and uh, you as well. And, and uh, like I said, really honored to have you on the podcast and uh, connect face to face. Yeah, time. I appreciate it,
1: Jason. Um, yeah. All right, man. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Hey, guys, thanks for listening. We we love doing this podcast. Uh, if you're looking to find us,
1: Derek... Yeah, you can find uh, our church at rivercharlotte.com. Uh, me, personally, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, all the places, at, at pastorderect.com.
0: It's good. It's really good. He's a Twitter savant. You really got to follow him. Uh, I do Twitter as well. I'm not as good at it, but my handle is uh, at Jason Clark is, Uh You can find us... Uh, at afamilystory.org that's the name of our ministry and uh, if you sign up for the mailing list you'll get weekly emails with articles, weekly articles and podcast information. So you can find the podcast on Apple, iTunes Spotify, all the places you can get podcasts. Type in Rethinking God with Tacos and be there That's exactly right, and also uh, like, share, retweet, and uh, and man, if you could write a review, it, it actually does something for the rankings. And, and it does, it yeah. So. But a five-star review, of course. <laughs> yes. You know, if you can't write a five-star review, of something <laughs> like just don't even write don't, a review. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's kind of like if you can't say something nice. Don't say anything. Don't say all. anything at all. I, I like that, and then apply that to this <laughs> podcast. Definitely. That's my motto. That's I like. What it. I do. <laughs> so love you guys. Appreciate you coming on the ride with us. God bless.